Cincinnati Insurance. This is Nick. How may I help you? Nick, this is Joey Jingola. Joey, what's going on, dude? What's going on, man? Did you just try calling me like a couple times and it didn't go through? I did. I was screaming at you. You didn't hear me. Yeah. Can you hear me now? This is insurance in your own words from the people who are living and breathing it every day and are struggling to figure out where this industry is going and what they need to do to stay ahead. Hosted by me, Joey Jingola. Let's get into it. Right. Well, I feel like I got a little bit of a leg up on, on that. I used to, before I got into insurance, my first job out of school, I worked for this internet marketing company called TextLink Ads, and it was it basically blew up the first two years that I was there, and the guy sold it for like millions of dollars, and I just did like, you know, billing work for them. But I was kind of, I thought it was like, is this the next Google or something like that? But uh, I always wanted to use the elements of what I knew about you know, online advertising and digital marketing and stuff, and then like incorporate that into insurance. This episode might not go where you think it is. That's my good buddy Nick Valhammer of Cincinnati Insurance in Cincinnati, Ohio, and talking about his early kind of career experience working at an internet marketing company, and he wants to bring that to insurance, but no, I'm not gonna take that bait. This is a little different angle, and there's a reason. There's a reason that things like this. So Nick wanted to do this, but there's something that prevented him from really diving in or really doing it to the extent that he maybe wanted to as quickly as he wanted to because there's this tiny little thing, depending on where you exist in your agency in the industry, that sometimes makes you think twice about the actions you take and the potential longevity that they may or may not have in relation to your future, possibly book of business, right? And this is the challenging part that I think a lot of young agents are faced with. Nick's saying, hey, I wanna do this thing, but you know, there's a lot of moving parts and, and I, I don't really know what's going on right now. Uh, depending on your situation, if you don't <clears throat> own that book of business, or have the potential to own that book of business, the decisions you make leading up to you know, owning it or not owning it could be dramatically different. I'm not saying that maybe they should be, but they could because at the end of the day, you don't have skin in the game, if you will, if you're not invested, if you don't have ultimate payoff, if there's no really reason to have this thing mature into something that's going to last a long time, then, you know, it takes away the incentive, the motivation to, again, apply such things like digital marketing, like any sort of long-term thinking. It encourages short-term growth, it encourages, encourages short-term thinking, actions, all of that fun stuff, because if at any point in time, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't belong to you, that's when, you start to question, could you really lose everything you've worked for? I haven't always owned my own agency. The first five years I was a producer agent and I had luckily in my agreement put rights in to buy my book of business. Mm -hmm. And so after five years, the guy was um, an agent for, he had some unfortunate things happen with his license, which was causing Grange and travelers to pull out of the agency that I was uh, writing for. And so here I am producer, 
100% commission, uh, just doing my thing. And then now, like, all my Grange clients are about to get non-renewed. So I didn't think I ever originally set out to own an agency, but I was like, I got to figure this out because uh, I might lose everything I've worked for. Well, things are getting serious now, especially when you say non-renewed. And just real quick, I have to appreciate the fact that just know that this was Nick talking all of these clips uninterrupted, and there was actually a little bit more that hasn't made it into the show yet, or the episode, I should say. Uh, I love Nick for that. It's, it's fantastic. And basically, what he's saying is, is you know, he was smart enough to put into his agreement that he would potentially have the ability to buy his book of business. And... You know, maybe that's a, a reality some take for granted. Uh, maybe it's a reality that some don't you know, kind of realize enough. And maybe it's a reality that we don't properly value if you've been in it for, you know, the family business for, for a while. It's just an assumed sort of thing. And there's others that haven't grown up in that environment that maybe aren't so lucky. But I think the interesting thing is, is for the for the for the ones that find themselves in the position that to where it's not an option, they don't own it, or it's you got to jump through sixteen hoops and cut through fifteen pieces of red tape, that kind of thing. It's, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is can we stop kidding ourselves as to who actually owns the client? And it has really nothing to do with the actual ownership of the book, and it's really who owns that relationship, and while there's ways to prevent it from happening and maybe that's the smart business thing to do if you ultimately don't want that book of business to walk out the door and maybe you don't trust that young producer but i just feel like it's the wrong thing to do and i don't know why you would want to kind of prevent anybody from owning their own book of business uh, i mean I, I i just don't think it i guess i just don't think that and this is my personal opinion of of you know just my experience uh watching others in the industry hearing from other people just the whole observation of the thing is that one we're not setting really a good example of of of, of kind of an entrepreneurial culture to you know understand the value of of growing that long term again encouraging the long-term thinking versus the short term where you know you might you know you might make a different decision if you don't own that book of business because you want the return today and you're unsure of if it's going to be there tomorrow it i think i think it it makes things more challenging and i don't know i don't know why it it isn't just more of a universally accepted kind of practice that listen you know at the end of the day you have the potential however it wants to be structured i'm sure there's smarter people than me that have worked this out but you know making sure when you bring on somebody in the agency or however you're going to do it that these sorts of things are kind of discussed maybe somebody doesn't want ownership maybe maybe that producer just wants to be paid whatever and not have to worry about it and that's perfect for them but again you would want to think that if you're hiring ambitious go-getters that are really just hungry to to kind of go bring you in a ton of business you would think that that would be something that would appeal to that type of personality and i don't know why it it, it, it has to be something that is uh, such an obstacle for people to overcome and to maneuver themselves in a position to where it becomes a reality sometimes sooner than later. I just, it kind of frustrates me sometimes because when somebody is generally put in that position and they have a true passion for the agency, 
it can sometimes feel like they are, I don't know, I guess living the dream. So I exercised the right to buy my book. Yeah. It was a, it was always like I owned half of it and he owned half of it because I got some good advice from a family friend early on. But that was about, it's approaching three years ago when that all kind of went down. And then that's when Cincinnati Insurance was born. And then the first year I was just freaked out about getting everything rolled over. And then now that I hired a friend of mine who's like kind of amazed watching me over the last five or six years that this whole insurance thing actually worked. I got I got him now kind of on board. So yeah, I'm like so into what I do for a living. Like I, I would just, I love it. Like I don't even feel like I work. I'm like living the dream, man. I also have to just take a quick minute to acknowledge Nick's ability to drop quotable lines left and right here in this episode. Fantastic stuff. Now he's living the dream. That is, my friends, a better product for everybody involved, right? A better product for the client, for the customer, a better product for independent agents, and just a better product for insurance in general, right? I mean, we've, we've long had the conversation, and I guess maybe it's, maybe it's one that needs dusted off a tad. It's been a few, but had the conversation of like, listen, it's not necessarily we are competing with each other. It's, you know, if somebody has a bad experience with an independent agent, they've had a bad experience with all independent agents, and that's not something that's in our best interest long-term. Somebody that, that doesn't have, you know, kind of a stake in the outcome, somebody that doesn't have ownership in the results, somebody that isn't really prepared to care for this industry long-term is ultimately not just going to hurt themselves, but potentially hurt you. And that's the thing that, that I guess where this whole little thing kind of came from. And, and I, as I was listening to this clip, and I'm thinking, man, this is, this can't be the way that, you know, really we go about things anymore. And that's a bold, that's, I mean, I should pump the brakes a little bit on that. I'm not saying that this is where we're barreling towards a cliff of, of kind of no return. That's, I mean, that's a little dramatic. I don't think we're, quite, we're not quite to like daytime soap opera level of drama here. So just, just bear with me. What I mean is, is that again, looking at it from the end consumer's result, right? And maybe this comes back to culture. Maybe they don't need ownership. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. It's very possible. But again, if they are not loving what they are doing, if they're not living some version of their dream, they're going to be living somebody else's, more likely the one that you think it is that they should be living. And that's probably, I mean, most likely, not nearly, I mean, unless it's like some sort of creepy kind of way, nearly as fun or enjoyable as satisfying, fulfilling as if they were able to live their own dream within your kind of framework, I guess, or however you want to put it. Um, I don't know if it's, again, from you know experience of where it hasn't worked with the agent having ownership, where it hasn't really been the right thing, where too many times they've had ownership and they've walked away with that business. And you know, so often every time you try to do the thing to prevent the thing from happening, you're actually just encouraging that thing to happen even faster and sooner, right? Where I think this is human nature and we're all guilty of it. It might even be one of the hardest things to do because you even tell yourself, you might even be aware that, that, it, that it's something that you should try to avoid. You might even be aware that it is happening and you just really can't do anything to stop it. But 
if you can, right? I just this is I'm just throwing this out there. Just an idea. Noodle, think about it. I'm curious. I'd love to know what you think. If this is, you know, what your experience has been in ownership versus no ownership about how that is all structured or what it takes to to again have them be fully invested in not just today, not just tomorrow, but the long-term future of their insurance careers of your agency of the industry and really so everybody doesn't have to worry about losing everything that they've worked for i really take such hard stances on things but there's something that needs to be addressed as it comes to really just gender equality and it's really i think it's gone too far and that is, I just, as, as a guy, I would really appreciate something that makes me feel as warm and radiant and glowing as when it, I feel walking down a makeup aisle. I'm going to be honest, I, I don't venture over there often, but there was a, a lip balm chapstick fiasco that needed tending to the other day. I think my daughter is getting cold. I think so. I, I can't exactly remember. But anyways. I'm just walking and I'm like, I feel like I'm in another world. This is, there's so many lights and everything is just luxurious and I feel better about myself. I just don't know if it's, you know, something that, a, you know, a, a, a 32 Kelvin watt bulb does to me, but I thought, why isn't, why haven't I experienced this more often in a retail environment? And what, what can I do to correct the issue? Because it's, I think it's gone on too long. It's a secret that maybe you ladies have been holding on to that maybe we just don't know about. And um, I just, I think, I mean, can we just maybe get some nice lighting on, you know, in the electronics aisle? I don't need the harsh glow of a TV. I mean, can we figure it out? I just, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right spot is. I don't know where it goes. I don't even know necessarily the products need to be sold. I would just like to see, just like to see the sleekness, the elegance. Kind of just, I mean, we could, we could be elegant, right? Sometimes? I don't know. It just felt, felt right. I'm curious, is that... (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, is that is that something, ladies? Am I onto something? Is that is that the whole hook? Is this something that you guys have been aware of for a long time? That I'm just I don't spend enough time there. I don't know. It's nice. It's nice. I just like I just like a little at agencynation.com. I'm not really sure which way that this is gonna go, but well, maybe I just let a dumpster fire. I don't know. Should be fun. JoyAgencyNation.com. Anyways, if you want to feel more luxurious strolling through your agency, then head on over to ElevateConference.com. Make sure you've only got a couple more days uh, to grab the advanced ticket sale pricing. Basically, the best price ticket that you will get coming to Elevate 2019 in New Orleans, Louisiana, March 24th, 25th, and 26th. So do yourself a favor over the holiday weekend, treat yourself, just really think about it. Come hang out, enjoy all of the great stuff that is going to be happening. And uh, I don't think, I don't think, yeah, you're not going to regret it. So go ahead, elevateconference.com.